Hey, this is Ashlyn, former co-host of the Top 10 Recovery Podcast, The Betrayed, the Addicted, and the Expert. I have had my challenges, but I am also living proof that joy is possible, even when life does not go as planned. I'm excited to share with you real examples of living a life full of adventure, true healing, and freedom, no matter how messy life gets. Each episode, I will introduce you to someone I love and respect to talk about ways to be the buffalo and to face your storms in different areas of life. I am going to answer your questions today and also share some of the lessons that I have learned over the last year and a half as I navigated divorce and now dating. So let me begin. I am my own guest today. You are my interviewer. Okay, so first off, um, I just finished a group with, uh, it's my women after betrayal group. Um, One has been divorced and is now dating. And one is in the the midst of divorce. And uh, the other girls who are married and repairing their relationships were not in group today. So it kind of turned into a group about divorce. And um, I do offer divorce groups. Um, But it was just a good reflection of how layered our grief is in divorce. Um, So I wanted to talk about that. So whether you are divorced or navigating that, or whether you know someone who is, and you just want to be there for them or understand them, or maybe you just want to understand the process. I mean, I had a lot of questions that were very specific to to my um, divorce in general. So the first thought I have with divorce and the biggest lesson I've learned is how layered the grief is. Um, for those maybe who don't know, when we stepped into that place of divorce, we were in the middle of buying a home to remodel. We just bought a brand new car. And then, you know, two weeks later, we're stepping into divorce and, and separation. And so it was, it was abrupt and a, and a, a lot of rejection, um, and a lot of taking it personal, <laughs> Um, and it's now this thing that I see as a gift and I'm sure that he does as well, my former, um, but in the beginning, it's hard to not take it personal and not to feel rejected and to have that grief, whether you're choosing divorce or it's being chosen for you. And, um, it's a loss of dreams. So the hopes and dreams, that house that we were going to remodel, I mean, I had, I was an interior designer. And so I had whole Pinterest boards for every single room of what I was going to do with it. And part of that creativity in me, like, oh, that fuels my fire. And so it was so exciting for me to have that dream and the views that I wanted. I was going to live by the Canyon and I was living next door to a, a good friend and it was just so great. And then take that away. I didn't go back to that house for a year. And I sat in that cul-de-sac a year later and just cried. Um, I'd already let go of the loss, but I hadn't been strong enough to go back and look at the house. Um, so um, loss, loss of dreams of future. I wanted to move to the trees of Oregon and live on the coast. And, and now that, that grief of, okay, I wasn't planning on raising my kids where we live, but I think we're going to raise our kids where we live. And, and that's a loss. Um, of, okay, I have the second half of my life that I get a whole new, another shot at 
and I can go at it, but I actually still am tethered to this other person and to make sure that my kids have the life that they deserve, even though now they're children of divorce. I still, it's like a, a rebirth of me, but also not fully. <laughs> There's still loss in that and grief. Um, loss in friendships. And that is one of the questions that I got of, um, you know, how did I navigate friendships as a lot of our friends? And that's what happens in a relationship are shared and to, it's, it's so messy. I really only have one friend, married couple friend who is friends with us both one out of who knows how many, um, and they were very upfront about this is our plan. We plan to support you both. And we, you know, very boundaried. We're not going to talk about the other with the other. Um, and it's and it's worked. And we've talked about that openly of, you know, their efforts to remain friends with us both and to be supportive and not have to agree with both of us kind of thing. So it is tricky. I lost friendships during that time. I lost family. Um, I was married for 21 years. So yeah, that's weird. It's loss of family, loss of friends. Um, so those are some of the things, um, battling the narratives around divorce and, and being single and being over 40. Like there's just so many things that society tells us you should be ashamed of. And you should feel um, bad for this is the life that you're creating or that you've failed, right? And um, we do have an old podcast on the Betrayed the Evicted Expert um, talking about that narrative because it is a deep one in many of us, especially if we grew up around religion and um, just letting go of that forever uh, dream and and now stepping into um, the world of dating is like, Oh, you've already tried this and you've failed. It's it's like a lot. It's a lot. So um, first off, I want to say that that it's just so layered in grief. And so if you feel like, okay, I'm starting to feel better about this thing, and then something new pops up, you're not doing it wrong. It really is like, okay, here's more. It's just layers. It's an onion. It's a jawbreaker. It's whatever you want to see it as. Um, but part of me moving through that. And for the women that I get to mentor and help is allowing yourself to just be sad and not sad all day, every day, but to be very intentional about, I want to feel it's scary. It's scary to step into that. Um, so I have, I just shared it yesterday, a, a reel about, um, it goes along with the podcast I did with Lisa Valentine Clark about choosing to have a 15 minute pity party and saying, I'm being intentional, that I am hurt, and I'm grieving, and I'm sad, and I don't think this is fair. <laughs> like, I see them over there, and they're happy, and this isn't fair. My life sucks right now. Uh, we need that, and I chose to do it in my shower. Um, there's a lot of reasons that I love it, and you can go see it on my social media. Uh, this is Ashlyn. Um, I shared the reasons behind it for me. Water is healing. Um, letting that run over your body while you're bawling your eyes out or just letting silent tears run down your face. I do that a lot. I do a shower morning and night and I have for the last year and a half because it is one washing away negative energies from me 
Um, it's also allowing me to sit in my feelings. I also take that time as like a conversation with my higher power, which for me right now is God and just talking to him. So if I'm not in a pity party, I'm just talking and sharing my day. Um, I'm connecting. Whereas if I'm in my pity party, I'm mad and he knows I'm mad. Um, and I don't like it, but I can get out of that shower and move on from my day. I don't have to stay in it. Uh, I can also choose to pull out a journal and take pen to paper and to, to use a journal prompt, which I also share on my social media and in my groups, which is I feel and use that feeling will to go through all the emotions that I feel around whatever loss and grief that I'm feeling in that moment. And then um, I fear what are some of the narratives going on in my head of uh, jumping to the future and futurizing over things I cannot control, but I'm wasting so much energy ruminating in my head. And I write those crazy thoughts down. And then um, what do I know? What is actual truth? In is there any truth in any of this? Uh, usually that list is really small. <laughs> uh, my fears are really big. And then I move over to um, what it can do because we always have choices. Uh, I get messages a lot where like my circumstances are different. And so I don't have the choices. I don't get to live the way you're getting to live. And, and I understand that because I was that. I felt disempowered that I didn't have choices and I didn't have resources and I didn't have supportive people in my life. And I worked really, really hard to create that for myself. It is possible. I absolutely believe it. And yes, there's, there's certain privileges that, that have come with the things that I have done, but there's nothing that I have that I have not worked for. Nothing. Either mentally, physically, or emotionally. And it comes with that price of, uh, I'm not lucky. <laughs> I'm blessed for the hard work. Um, so I, I do believe um, when we're feeling that disempowerment, we feel victimized in our life, there is still choices. Um, it's hard to zoom out and see. There's, hard, there's very little clarity when we're in mud and we're sinking and um, let's see, one girl in group described it yesterday as I literally feel like I'm swimming in mud and I just am getting nowhere. That is not empowered, right? We feel so heavy and hopeless. Um, but that's when we need that support from other people who've been there and who are maybe two steps ahead, even one step ahead, who can have that empathy and that give you that validation that you need, but also say, okay, try this. Hey, let's go. We can do this. Let's take a big step this way and let's go. Um, I heard a story in the book I'm reading right now where she talks about as women, we enter labor when delivering a baby and it's painful. It's hard and we're wor worn out. And so those last 10 minutes, especially if we're going natural, we're extremely tired and it feels like we cannot do it. And they're saying, Hey, push and do this and do that. Um, and to most women say, I can't, I can't do this. It's too much. And to have another woman there in the room saying, I got you and you can do this. Let's go. Um, that strength, that collective energy from another woman, it's woman to woman energy that helps us to get to where we need to go. And so if you are in this layered grief and you are feeling it really deeply and you're not able to just come out of that 15 minute pity party, maybe you're feeling it all day long. You need to find your people. You need to find two steps ahead. You need to find a group. You need to find a therapist. You need to find whoever that is for you. 
that's not only giving you the validation and love, but pulling, helping pull you along and saying, you got this and you can, and that baby counts, right? Um, I had this question, which, um, do you regret not divorcing sooner and would you do it differently? So, um, especially when people meet me for the first time, they're very confused that I stayed one with someone who, who, who was choosing not to be with me, um, with, you know, choosing betrayal over, over whatever. So, um, not everyone chooses to say, and not everyone chooses to leave. There is no right and wrong and never uh, a black and white. This is the way it is. It's, it's one of those things that you don't know how you're going to show up until you show up. <laughs> and I was the girl who said I would never stay. I would never stay if my partner betrayed me. And I did. I did. And I don't regret it. Um, that gave me the life that I have today. It gave me the opportunity for this to share and, and to heal out loud, which is something I never in a million years wanted or dreamed of. Um, but it's led me down a path of purpose. And for that, I'm grateful. And do I regret staying as long as I did? <sighs> That's a hard one because um, I really do believe that things are the way they are for a reason. And so I don't like to waste my time and energy going backwards and saying, no, oh, I should have done this. Blah, blah, blah. But I will tell you this. Most of the work I did in 2021 to move through my, the pain of divorce was grief for me, grief for, for younger Ashlyn, who just didn't know, who wasn't strong enough, who didn't use her voice enough um, to, to feel capable enough to leave, um, to feel capable enough to say this is not enough. Um, I know now, being in a different spot in my life, that I, I had, there was love and there were so many good times. There was a lot of hard times. I had to fight for love. Um, and I, and I, I won't ever choose a life with a partner who, who doesn't have both feet in never again. Um, which leads me to my next question I got, which is I've been married for five years. We've had sex once. He's no longer the person I married and I feel extreme guilt for wanting more. So guilt for wanting a divorce when there's not like a big problem. Um, of course, some would say not having sex in four years is a problem. Um, there's huge disconnects there. There's huge lack of communication. There's lack of repair. There's all sorts of things going on within that, right? Um, so she's giving me a short question. And I know there's a lot more behind that that, that she couldn't share in a short little question. But um, I will say this. It sounds like you have one foot out the door. And it's not fair to your partner. It's not. Because I was the partner who had both feet in. And I had a partner who had one foot out and it sucks. It's not fair. So get real, get help. If you need more clarity with what you need to decide whether to stay and say, let's put both feet in and I'm going to commit. We're going to get skilled and we're going to learn how to, 
to navigate this messiness that we've created or you say i can't do this anymore but either way i recommend you figure out why you have accepted a life like this for this long that was me i had to get real with why i chose to be with someone who year after year wasn't choosing me that's hard that's a lot of self reflection and a lot of like it's grief there's grief in all of it grief choosing it grief accepting it um okay um how did i keep my house um without sharing my financial details i own my own business um i worked really hard to get to this place where i can financially support myself um we i also chose to work with um a lender who who helped me figure out the best timing for doing that to benefit me and to give my former partner the agreed upon amount and such like that so um if you're in a spot where that is the huge uh, fear for most of the women that i work with with divorce is like one i don't have a job or i don't have the money to support myself what am i going to do how am i going to keep my house you know i may have to move in with my family or something like that um start talking to professionals. The first plan of action I did was one, I called my therapist, um, someone who was two steps ahead, but someone who was also skilled in, they know what to do. The second thing I did was call a lawyer and nobody that was recommended. It was literally just like, look somebody up and they had good ratings. Okay. I'm calling you. And I did a consultation for one hour and I just said, tell me what to do. And the message was protect yourself because the person you marry is no longer the person that you are divorcing things get ugly even if there is love things get weird when there is financials involved and for us it was businesses it was assets and it was money and um we i think we navigated it like ideally how we all want it to happen but it was still messy um so talk to professionals and say, what are my options? Um, instead of wasting your energy on worrying, how am I going to do this? Put your energy into what can I do? Do I have options? Um, start. I mean, I went through my bank statements for the, like six months and I started adding up what were my costs? What were my needs? What were, how, how do I need to adjust my business so that I can support myself without that other income? Um, I started looking at uh, custody and what, how we could set that up. And we started practicing it while we were separated rather than waiting until it was on paper in our divorce decree. Uh, that was messy too. And we were both really like, um, what's the word? Hard black and white in the beginning because it's emotional in the beginning. And I can say today, uh, it's easy we are able to both show up and like hey i can help you out over here or hey we can do this we can change our mind um and it makes it that much easier for our kids that it's not this icky transition i can it's just it's easy and i didn't think it would be that way a year ago um so it can get better um let's see does your former see you on social media and do you see his um i blocked 
uh, my former partner for a probably six month period where I was trying to detox chemically from him. Um, so no physical touch. Um, I cut off all emotional conversation because we were still emotionally connected and we weren't dating anyone else. We weren't dating at all. We were just trying to navigate and we were in pain and we both found each other sharing the pain that we were in, but then it was confusing. Like, why am I telling you you're the one causing the pain? Um, and that's when I just realized like, I have to give up this friendship. I cannot be friends. And I know so many of you are friends with your partner, former partners, and that's awesome, but I just couldn't do it. It was too painful for me. And so I just, I had to cut it all off and I didn't want to see what was going on in his life. And it wasn't helpful for me to have people reaching out and saying, did you see that post? Oh my gosh. Did you listen to that podcast? No, no, no. <laughs> like that doesn't help me let go and move forward and move through the grief of rejection and pain and loss of my dreams. I wanted to let go. I wanted to accept my new reality without that person. Um, the great thing is um, I, he's not blocked anymore. I don't follow him, um, but we are friends on social media, um, but I don't think either of us follow each other. Um, and that works for us. Like I talk to the, talk to him to deal with the kid stuff. Um, here and there, we update each other on lives, um, but that's about it. Um, and that's worked really well for us. It's, I believe doing that chemical detox and like getting rid of photos. Um, I go through my Facebook memories every day and I untag myself from his posts. I, delete things that I no longer want to see in my future that are about him. Um, I'm very intentional about what, what I am seeing and it's not helpful for me. Um, will we get to a place where that it won't matter? Probably. Um, right now I just, it's, I don't care, <laughs> um, but we get along. So what I, I guess my point is it can be messy and hard and, and like, we're not talking at all and maybe even arguing to, this is easy. How did we get here? When did this transform? I don't know, but that's where we're at. Um, okay. One of the things that came up today was like the fears in, of the future and, and we're wasting this energy thinking about, but what if I want to move? And what if I get a different job? And, and what am I going to do with the house? And what if I need to buy a new car? All these things that of course, our minds are racing with fears because we're trying to step into a new transition of life and navigate something we've never done before, but we're doing it alone. And it's scary, even though we're adults, it's so scary. And, you know, I spent decades making big decisions with someone else and to do that on my own felt, I can't even explain it, but it definitely makes me emotional, like over the moon. Um. It just felt like a lot for me to make big decisions and make, so for me to start to make small decisions was how I was able to move through the big ones. Um, it was a big deal when I cut my hair. Um, I, I, it felt like a release of time. Like I'm letting go of this old version of me and I'm chopping my hair and I'm not asking anyone for their opinion. I'm just doing it. And it felt so freeing to say, I'm doing this for me. Um, 
Those are little tiny things that add up when you have not made those decisions in your life. Sometimes it's ridiculous. So I, that's what I love about my women's groups is we can share those stupid little wins. Like, guess what? I picked where we went to dinner with my kids tonight, or I bought myself lunch when I was out. And that felt like big because I was choosing me and I wasn't asking anyone. Um, it's so silly. Some of the things. Um, so stop looking for big moments. Like, um, how am I going to handle it when I, when this happens or this, and just look for the small moments of if, if we're practicing daily gratitude, going to bed each night and saying, Oh, wow. Like I wasn't lonely today. I was bored, but I wasn't lonely. That's progress. Those are noticing the small moments rather than waiting for the big ones. Like I bought my house. That's big. That was a cool moment. But I was, I had to recognize all the little ones in order to get to that big one. Um, one of the girls in group today said um, having her child's first birthday that first year, all the year first, they're hard. Um, she said, I was sad. I had a lot of resentment. Um, and then by the fourth birthday, it wasn't so bad. Ah! <laughs> and then um, by the sixth birthday, there wasn't a lot of resentment. and she was genuinely happy without the thought of, you know, this is different and this is hard. So it gets better. It may not, it may take a long time, but it gets better. Um, you can come in or you can not come in. Um, okay. Next question is, will I share my divorce decree? If you want my divorce decree details, I'm happy to share. So when we were um, creating that, I asked for people's, what they were most grateful for in putting in their divorce decree. I asked for that on social media. And then I took all of those words of advice from those two steps ahead of me. And I took it to a lawyer and said, how do we make this happen? Um, so our decree is pretty detailed in lots of different things, but also not gigantic and hard. It's pretty simple. So um, I'm happy to share. Just email me. Hello, this is ashlyn at gmail.com. Um, okay. How did I learn to love alone time and not feeling lonely while not being ready to date? So, um, I for sure felt lonely in the first few months when my kids were gone, especially on the weekends when I didn't have work. Um, my married friends were with their people. Um, if you are part of my hiking group, I have a women's hiking group. I started just before I got divorced, before I knew I was getting divorced. And, um, that gave me the ability. I started doing night hikes and, um, feeling my time with women, uh, and friendships over, uh, worrying about dating and, or not being with my person, uh, at that time, I miss my kids. It's normal to miss your kids, um, and feel lonely. Um, but I really, really, really wanted to get to a place where I was bored and not lonely. And when I got bored, um, I realized that was progress and I was no longer lonely. Oh my gosh, I have food on my face, you guys. Um, just looking in my reflection as I record. Um, okay. What type of therapy have I done to trust men again? So I did a whole podcast with my current therapist, uh, Cameron Brown. 
And so if you look it up, it's um, accelerated resolution therapy. And we just talk about how that works. And um, I even share an experience of going to the husband's store and uh, trading in one model for a new model. <laughs> it was wacky and weird, but it was also freeing in ridiculous ways for me. Um, how do I feel about going to therapy while dating? Um, well, we're moving into month 11 of dating and we start therapy on month 11. Um, just, I like the idea of a neutral party who's not emotionally invested in either of us. So the therapist we're choosing to go to is at Auto Recovery. Uh, I don't know him. He doesn't know us. He doesn't know my story, I think. I don't know. Um, and so that feels more neutral in helping us have eyes to see each other in a different way. Um, so there's that. I'm for it. I think everyone should start um, like a committed relationship more intently than how we maybe did it in the past. I didn't do any of that. We started therapy way too late and waited for the, the, the wheels to fall off before being proactive in making spoken agreements and, and having those conversations. Um, let's see. Uh, when you started dating, did you warn guys that you were dating and kissing others? I don't want to lead others on. This was actually a question we had. I had did a dating meetup with like a, we did basically a round table of questions and heard from men and women who have been dating or new to dating. And it was really fascinating because lots of people have different ideas on this. Um, so I wasn't a fan of sharing that um, with multiple people. Um, I did for a minute and I didn't like it. Uh, doesn't mean you won't, but I we were open and honest about it. Um, so I think anytime we're open and honest, like the other person can choose to opt out or um, whatever. So it didn't work for me, <laughs> but I was open and honest. Um, how is dating going? It's fantastic. It's fantastic. I'm just gonna say that. Uh, why don't I share him online? Many reasons. <laughs> I kind of like not. I like that it's just my thing or that people who know us in real life, um, they get to see this version of me. Um, they get to see us together and um, it's fun. It's really fun. Uh, we have talked about this, uh, he and I, that we are both different versions than our former partners got to experience. And there can be grief in that. But for me, it's mostly just, I look at it thinking, but they're going to be a, a different version for their future partners. And let's hope, let's hope that we all are not repeating and, and creating the same relationships all over again. If they didn't work with that person, let's not take it into a new one. Let's make change and um, be self-reflective enough to, to see where we have patterns and hurts and triggers and, and be able to be skilled enough to, to move through that. So, um, okay. I think that is all I'm going to share for today. I have plenty more I can share, but the lessons for me have been big. Um, finding more of me. Mm, can I share this? I met with my former, um, in-laws, a brother, um, and he got to see this newer version of me. And um, 
I was always told by therapists, you know, when you seek to recover and to heal, you'll find this reclamation, you will reclaim yourself. And I was like, I don't get it because I was never this. As I stepped into more healing, I just couldn't see how I was ever this person. I thought, no, I'm quiet and I'm, I'm this and that, I'm all these things. I just put myself in a little box and tied it up in the bow and didn't want to get out of it. And when I realized what the, what they meant, um, I really understood it when I sat, met with this former brother-in-law and he just said, this is the version of you that I met when I was a little kid and you married my brother. This, like you were this, you were adventurous and, and silly and all these things. Um, and marriage, I allowed marriage to shift who I was and I lost a lot of parts of myself and that's on me. And, um, that's not going to happen again. Um, not going to happen again. So you can still find yourself within a relationship. You do not have to get divorced in order to do that. But if you find yourself losing parts of you, if your um, interests don't line up, which mine didn't line up, um, I did a lot of things alone or I invited girlfriends and that got lonely. And um, you can still find yourself. You can still choose yourself. And you can still become this different version of you to reclaim yourself within whatever situation you're in. So goodbye, farewell, and thank you for being here. Thanks for being here with me today, whether I was with you doing your dishes while you got ready or driving in your car. If you found a nugget in this episode, please take 30 seconds. You can click on the link below in the show notes and leave me a quick review over on iTunes or you can share on social media or shoot me an email. It offers me your support without you having to spend a dime or much of your time. Until next time, be the buffalo.